BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It is a great week to be a Cowboys fan. Your pokes beat Baylor down in Waco for some Big 12 championship redemption, moved into number seven in the polls. And OU dropped out of the top 25 after losing this week to TCU. Welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson. And guys, I have co-hosts this week. I have Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba, former Oklahoma State players. They will be joining me on the show from now on. I am so excited to have them. But instead of me introducing them, I will let these guys introduce themselves. So guys, take it away. Let's go. So hype. Yes. Very excited to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Eve Batoba played at Oklahoma State from 09 through the 2012 season. Uh, while I was there, actually, Justin and I joined the team at the same time. Coach Glass, legendary Coach Glass, put us together as workout partners, and right away we hit it off, right? Became best friends, and uh, yeah, great times. You know, got to play in the Cotton Bowl even before the Dallas Cowboys got to play in the new um, AT&T Stadium. We got to play in there back in 2009. Um, as well as, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, of course, the 2011 team, Heart of Dallas Bowl, a couple other bowl games. But, yeah, that's uh, that's me, Justin. Yeah, excited to be here. Uh, 2009 it was a good year. It was a tough year, I think, for walk-ons. If you look at the list, 2009 is a pretty short list compared to the other ones. And initially, I actually didn't make the team. I emailed Coach Yielding asking if there was anything I could do to work out with the team. He said, you know what? come on by my office after class turned out a receiver had just quit that day and opened up a spot for me on the roster. So yeah, I was there 2009 through 2011 season. I uh, decided to go out on the Fiesta bowl. Can't go out, you know, <laughs> go out 20, on top. My, my, my knees were done. I wanted to go out on top. Uh, Justin and Blackman and Brandon Whedon, they decided to come back for that 2011 season. So I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it one more year. No, I, I should have left whenever you left, to be honest with you, Brad, because that heart of Dallas Bowl was easily the coldest game that I ever played in. And uh, yeah, that was trash. I, I did not like nobody was really excited about being there. We whooped Purdue like 50 something to like 14, whatever it was. And then, uh, yeah, got to ride out. I was just like, all right, should have left 2011, but it was all right. Okay, what was what was the temperature that game? Because I come from the Northeast where cold is like negatives and I just need to know what is cold for a Texan like yourself. Uh, it had to be in the single digits. It had to be like okay. it was. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, that, in my opinion, is football weather. None of this 80 degree stuff that we're seeing right now. Football should be played in the cold. You get your layers on, you get the heaters on the sideline. Football should be played in the cold. I mean, look, there's football weather, which is to me like eh, high 50s. That's that's some good football weather. Anything below that. Now you just it's a little out of control. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, too. Like, I was in the stands for the 2013 game against Baylor, and that was probably the coldest I've ever been in my life. And I know that the guys were huddled up around that heater on the sidelines. I bet that people were literally melting their tights onto their body because it was 
you know, that cold outside and that hot up against that heater. So, bro, those are the worst games, the worst games to be in when everybody is trying to huddle around the heater and then there's not enough heaters on the sidelines. So everybody just uh, in there. Yeah, but it's the best games for fans with beer because your beer does not get warm and it stays cold the entire game. Whereas in this heat, you get halfway through and you need to buy a new one because it's hot and disgusting. When it's 30 degrees, that beer stays the perfect temperature. That is that is my logic right. for cold weather football games. <laughs> you know, never got to enjoy a beer during a football game, but you know what? That's a that's a good point. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe this year it'll drop enough, and you can get up to an Oklahoma State game, and we can we can fix that. We can try that eighteen ninety that eighteen ninety brew from Iron Monk. So we'll check the I'm weather, down. and we'll figure we'll figure out a time to all meet at a cold weather football game. But we could probably talk about <laughs> what is the best football weather. For an entire show, but instead, I'm sure that the people <laughs> want to hear about your thoughts on this week's game. The teams combined for 39 points in the third quarter, and Mike Gundy said that it was like a video game. Through four games a season, 13 different Cowboys have scored at least one touchdown. Could you guys have predicted so many playmakers on this squad? Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. I mean... Sure. <laughs> we're We're getting back to what is Oklahoma state offense and that's the quarterback, a dynamic playmaker spreading the ball around to all these guys. Coach Dunn has done a great job recruiting these receivers, playmakers. You got to spread the love Uh, running backs. Obviously Gundy loves the balanced approach to having running backs touch the ball 50, 50%. And so, yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, it's just a matter of time before these guys get their hands on the ball, stepping up and just do what they do. Eve, as a former defensive player, when you see a stat like that or hear a stat like that, what are your thoughts? Like, what what are the challenges of preparing for a team where there are so many threats for the end zone? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the, the first thought that comes to my mind always is y'all better be in shape, right? Like, you know, a whole bunch of snaps are going to be getting played. And on top of that, you're going to have to cover the entire field. Right. So one is always be in shape, but also number two, make sure you understand the situation. Like football always comes down to the different matchups. And I think especially in a conference like the Big 12, it's all about the schemes. Right. You have some brilliant offensive coaches in that conference, especially in that game. Right. When you talk about Dave Aranda and Mike Gundy. So it's always all right. What are we doing on second and one? Right. Are we checking for play action? Are we making sure that, hey, if we're alerting the DBs to actually back up because it's going to be a bomb? Right. What does it look down third down situationally? What part of the field are we actually in? Like those are the things that matter the most to me. And I think that our defense, you know, having really switching to a new defensive coordinator, just a, a matter of making sure that we're all on the same page right now. And I tell you what, there is one player in particular that I think is he might mess around and play himself into a draft pick is uh, Brock Martin. Brock Martin felt like he was making plays all over that field uh, this past Saturday. And I think that a lot of that comes too with, with the experience Brock Martin's, but he's, he's a super senior, I think. And just yeah. knowing, knowing that defense um, you were talking about players being ready and making plays. Braden Johnson had an unreal 49-yard catch that set up a one-yard touchdown run. And something that the three of us talked about the other night on a phone call was X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's. Do you think that Spencer Sanders makes that throw to any of his receivers, or is that something he knew that Braden Johnson could get up and get? Yo, honestly, we haven't we haven't seen that much of Braden Johnson, right? Like we've seen him flash a couple of different times in the past. 
And then, of course, he had to miss an entire uh, season because of I think it was a medical issue, right? Some type of injury. But whenever he comes back and you're just like, oh, those are the flashes that, that we've seen in the past. So when you talk about X's and O's, there are definitely some plays that are going to be drawn up because you know that they work. But you couldn't throw that to just anybody. Like it takes a guy like Braden Johnson, who looks like a physical specimen and an athletic freak to actually be able to go up and get that play. I think as of right now, he's actually leading the nations in plays of 20 yards or receptions of 20 yards or more. Right. I think he has eight and the next person has seven. So uh, obviously that dude is explosive. So you're not throwing that suggestion to anybody. And yes, that boy got mossed that, that they threw it to. So that was beautiful to see. Justin, former receiver. Could, could you have made that catch? You know, I'd like to think that I could. Actually, yeah, why not? Because you're saying just anybody, okay? Like, we saw Brennan Presley go up over the dude from Iowa State last year, or the year was last year, I guess. And uh, we're about the same size, I think. So if he can go up and moss somebody, I think I could do that too. Hey, confidence. Confidence is key. I tell you what, there, there's something about, um, I, and, and I tweeted this out too. I said the spirit of Des Bryant was living in that stadium that Saturday because it seemed like every receiver was just balling. Uh, a couple mosses happened on Saturday. So uh, that, that was fun to watch. How much do you think the Big 12 championship was in their mind? Obviously, it was the end of last season. They went on to have a great win in the Fiesta Bowl. But how much of that tough last play loss do you think the players were carrying with them this week yeah i mean it, it had to be on their mind all week probably all off season really because if you think about it you go you beat baylor at home spencer sure he threw three interceptions that game but you still won the game in the big 12 championship game he throws for four interceptions and it's still i mean they were like an inch away from winning that game one inch. And so you've got to think like, that's all it takes to beat these guys. And so all we got to do is limit turnovers, you know, punch it in whenever we have the opportunity on the goal line. And they did that several times and, uh, you know, take care of business. And they absolutely did that. Well, was it yeah. Des Jackson, Des Jack, Desmond Jackson? He scored yeah. a, a touchdown in, as like on the final play in his game this week for the win, and I think that was just kind of like poetic justice for both yes. Cowboys and Desmond. So it was it was great all around yeah. for everybody. But uh, yeah, you mentioned tweets. It, it, it felt like a, it felt like poetic justice, right? And I think one of the most important parts was actually just establishing dominance at the line of scrimmage. Uh, to see the the way that the offensive linemen were kind of able to control the line of scrimmage. I mean, you think about the way that that game ended last season. I think that was a definitely a focal point, right? That's a, That was a point of emphasis this year. And it seemed like they were taking it personal whenever they got to the red zone, especially, right? Especially in those short yarder situations. Like, hey, let's figure out who's really dominant over here. So to see Des Jackson in his game, right, at Sam Houston State finish it out, it just felt like poetic justice. And one more, you know, we, we've talked about the offense and the defense, but got to give a shout out to the Oklahoma State special teams. Jaden Nixon earned Big 12 special teams player of the week for his 98 yard kickoff return touchdown to start the second half. But one more thought on this game, because, Justin, you tweeted out about it last night, the uniforms, the bail. You, you had very strong thoughts, not just on Oklahoma State's uniforms, but Baylor's uniforms. Yeah, it's not. uh I don't think it's a hot take even, but Baylor's uniforms were pretty garbage. I can't yeah, them things was hideous. Like, if I saw that, 
in the locker room before the game, I might go ahead and hit up the transfer portal. <laughs> they were that bad. Like, what are y'all? What are y'all doing? And then they want to go and call it gold. I'm just like, oh, come on. They yeah. used to actually have what I thought were probably call it the second or third best uniforms in the conference when they had actual gold. Not so much anymore. But you know, aside from the uniforms, real quick, do you want to mention? Yeah, special teams. It was the difference, right? Like, I know we ended up winning by 11, but whenever you score right at the end of the first half and then you come out and score a touchdown to start the second half, like, I think we got up by 20 at that point. Like, that's pretty demoralizing. And so, yeah, uh, special teams, a lot of people, maybe, you know, they, they like to say win in all three phases of the game all the time. And special teams it can scare people because you want to see repeatable formulas and you can't necessarily think, ah, you know, we can't just get a a special teams touchdown every single game. But I mean, now, now you got guys that like back whenever we played Eve 2009, like those guys scared. You were scared to kick to those guys because it could change the outcome of a game. And really, yeah, I mean, it's, what 15 20% of the plays are special teams you got to be good at it and it's like i said with the offense we're getting back to what we used to be on offense i think we're starting to get back to what we used to be on special teams yo and let me tell you off a high from the defense this is a great era to be in right now there is nothing that i would want more than for oklahoma state to get back to being the number one special teams unit in the country like we were in 2008, 2009. Because any single time somebody kicked it off to Dez or Parrish Cox, you knew it was a threat for it to go 60 yards, 70 yards, 90 yards back to the house. So it seems like we got the right people uh, doing that again. I know recently it seems like there's this trend across the country where for whatever reason they don't want to get the best player back there because they don't want to risk them getting hurt. But yeah, whenever you got guys like like Braylon and guys who are returning the case like we have, yeah, that will put you in contention. And that that's the type of stuff that puts the fear in opponents' hearts right there whenever you can beat them in a kicking game. I mean, to have a Braylon and a Jaden, those are two guys right there that you know can run it back. So it's like, well, shoot. <laughs> like wh- you can't just exactly. not kick it to everybody. And then and we 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 haven't even seen Presley yet, you know, like we saw him do it at high school, but I'm excited to see what they can do at this level yeah. too. And I, it, I think it was the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. And I know it was Arkansas Pine Bluff with the punt return touchdown, kick return touchdown. But those are still, I mean, two out of four games to have special teams touchdowns, that's that's pretty good. And if you can kind of build on that and work on those things, I mean, they can be a threat in all three phases for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some stuff happening in the Big 12 don't need to talk about too much of the big 12, but we can't not talk about the TCU upset over OU. OU did lose Dylan Gabriel in the second quarter. This is the second time since 99 that OU has lost consecutive regular season games and going into conference play. There was so much praise for Oklahoma's defense, but the last two games where they've actually faced other challenges in big 12 teams and not the cupcake games that you see early on, They've struggled. So, Eve, as a defensive player, which which OU defense do you think is the real defense that we can expect to see the rest of the season? <laughs> uh, such a great day whenever OK State <laughs> wins and uh, OU loses. But, I mean, 
they got some stuff to figure out. I think what's always interesting is whenever a new head coach comes in, right? So you talk about uh, Brent, the new head coach, and figuring out, hey, his side of the ball with him being a defensive coach, like that's the part of the ball that has to be made right first, you know, before you can look at special teams, even before you can look at offense. Like typically you see that being established and then everything else comes along. But right now it's looking like their defense is going to have a rough season, a rough conference play. And I am here for it. I hope that we are getting a defense that has given up 400 yards a game, especially whenever to face the OK State Cowboys. So hey, anytime OU is having a bad week, I ain't going to lie. I'm for it. I'm for it. Any thoughts to add to that, Justin? I mean, would, would you want to well, face this OU defense as a receiver? <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll go up against OU anytime, any day. People want to say, you know, OSU's scared. Please. And listen, OU historically struggles at the beginning of the year. And it seems like around the, the Texas game, something will click. Either they lose that game or that's the game where kind of the momentum shifts, right? Well, if we're going to be in separate conferences and they still want to have a non-conference game, well, guess what? We're going to we're going to find you whenever you're struggling and we're going to win a lot of those games. So I'm not scared to play OU. Now, whenever they start getting on a roll at the end of the season and they started figuring things out, defense shows up, uh, that, you know, well, sooner magic, gosh, uh, that's very annoying. Um, but yeah, I'm not scared of OU. If, if they're losing to these TCU TikTok boys, Hey, <laughs> relax, <laughs> Relax. I'm not mad at TCU, man. Hey, I'm, I'm, I like TCU. I, I think they have some of the best uniforms in the country, uh, to be honest with you. And I think that they, they came into the season pretty underrated. So, you know, it's still kind of early. We might not know just how good either one of these teams are or aren't yet. I think the benefit, though, is that OU's two losses came to Big 12 teams. So when you look at the the final rankings and who's going to play for the Big 12 championship, those two losses matter more than if they were to have lost to an out of conference opponent, because you're looking at the conference nice. record. So I think that that gives us an advantage at the end, you know, if we did lose one game, well, we're still, you know, we still have one less loss than OU for now. So I think that, right. that is the advantage. And then the other shocker of the big 12 that I just, I love to talk about Kansas. They are five and zero hosting College Game Day this week. People have been putting Jalen Daniels in the Heisman conversation. Do you guys think that he is the real deal? Do I think Jalen Daniels is the real deal? Let me tell you something. Uh, I don't even know who Jalen Daniels is, and the reason why I'm not saying that he's not good, <laughs> but I have not paid attention to Kansas football since two thousand eight. Like flat out, I just haven't. So because of that, like. I know what their record is, you know, 4-0, 5-0, you know, they're undefeated right now. Yes. Which, honestly, their head coach deserves a lot of credit. He's probably going to be in contention for a lot of these head coaching jobs that just became open so far this year, right? Six head coaching jobs. But I'm just, I'm still not paying attention to Kansas until it's Kansas week, right? Okay. But, you know, with that being said, there's still a lot, you know, my almost my entire life, KU has been the doormat <laughs> of Big 12 Conference football. Yeah. And... I'm actually happy for them. I'm happy that they're finding some success. And if they can continue to do it, if they can beat OU, if they can beat Texas and lose to Oklahoma State, I don't think that's a bad year. Okay, so let's say Kansas week. I think that, that it's November 5th, so we're still a little less. We have like three or four games between them. If, if, big if, if Kansas is still undefeated at that point or a one-loss team, 
do you take them seriously and think that they're a legitimate threat to make it to the Big 12 championship? I mean, if, yeah, if you're laying that out like that, I guess you have to take them seriously. Um, but if I remember right, pretty sure we beat him like 55 to three last year. So if this quarterback is the real deal, that's a different fine. team this year. But I, the thing yeah. is, like, I, I don't really understand why they're getting the praise that they are at this point in the season. Because this is their best whenever... start since 2009. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. They're one win away from played, being bowl eligible. They have not done that in played, years. Uh, in years. They, played, they, played, they have played a schedule that is very similar to Michigan's schedule. It's Charmin Ultra Soft. <laughs> they haven't played anybody yet. We'll see what they do against the good teams. But the thing is, if you're going to start talking about their quarterback for Heisman, like, why haven't I heard Spencer Sanders' name for Heisman? Legitimately, like, the dude is putting up legit numbers and you want to talk about like people love to compare to the 2011 team right through the first four games spencer sanders has 11 touchdowns and two interceptions brandon whedon during that same time had 10 touchdowns and six interceptions so he's protecting the ball better he's putting up you know he's doing it with less attempts less completions less yards but the numbers are there and so where is his Heisman Trophy talk? I was talking to a friend about that. This was like week one or two. It was very early in this season still, but they're like, you know, Spencer is a fourth year starter, a fifth year senior. Senior, He should be in the Heisman conversation because he has the experience where he should be playing this well and he should be getting the respect. So when I earlier in the season two on the podcast, someone was saying that like, everything has to go right in order for Spencer to get that invite to New York. Like what, oh, what do course. you guys think about that? Look, the, the nation, yeah. the media, the press is never going to show Oklahoma state love. Like I feel like coach Mike Gundy is one of the most disrespected head coaches in the country, despite having like the third best winning percentage in, you know, in the nation. And one of the reasons why, I mean, every single off season, it's proof. Like the proof is in the pudding. Every single off season, whenever you look at the preseason rankings, it's way down there. Right. And then at some point during the year, we end up in the top 10. Right. And it's the same story repeated over and over again. So because we don't get that much love, I will go ahead and say like, they're not going to show Spencer any type of love, any type of favoritism. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's just the way that it's going to be until we have, you know, those matchups against those blue blood, blue chip programs. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you can't even beat them by one possessions. You have, it has to be double digit victories. or else You're still not going to get that type of recognition. And all of our wins this year have been double digit victories so far. I just saw we're one of like only a handful of teams, one of two teams. Did did I see you tweet that? Yeah. (laughs) Someone tweet that. So two, it's two OSUs, right? Only yes, two OSUs. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So us and, and the other OSU. If, well, which one is the real OSU? Because I will admit that when I was in the Northeast, this was OK State. But now that I'm here, it's this is the only OSU. The other one is Ohio State. I call, them, uh, I call them lowercase t OSU. <laughs> lowercase t OSU. But no, Justin, I, I just pulled up your Twitter and you retweeted something earlier today that OSU has won 17 of their past 19 games are and are in top 10 in the country in wins since 2010 and over the last five years. Are they chronically underrated? I mean, it just seems that way. It seems like, I mean, not, not to like 
you know, downgrade the other teams out there. But if Iowa State or Baylor has the exact same matchup, I think that they're going to be rated higher for whatever reason that is. I don't, I don't know. Texas is the same thing. Uh, they could go, you know, twelve and two, and their two losses are like OU and Oklahoma State or Kansas State or something like that, and they're going to be ranked higher and get all the respect. Uh, for whatever reason, Oklahoma State, they're just kind of overlooked in that way. Uh, it's the same disrespect that you see for. I mean, it's for Sanders. It's kind of weird. Eve, are you going to add something to that? It's it's what Coach Gundy said after we beat um, Notre Dame. Whenever we beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, what he said in that press conference, he said we have a logo too, and people have to start putting some respect on that logo. But as of right now. Whatever. We just have to keep on clawing and fighting until we're no longer the underdog. I mean, is there something kind of nice, though, about you're kind of sitting pretty at seven, top ten. You're on the outside of the um, the CFP, right? I mean, the, those rankings have not come out yet, but you're sitting on the outside. And it's kind of a nice place to be flying under the radar. You know, is 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 there is there an advantage to that? Well, nobody sees you coming, I guess. Right. <laughs> if that's the only advantage to it. Yeah. But. No, I would much rather, honestly, we've been in this position for so long. I would much rather, I just want to get a taste. I want to get a feel. What does it feel like to be the team that everybody's talking about? Like, I, I just don't know. Like, I love Pat McAfee that every time that he's covering an Oklahoma State game, he picks us to win. He wears the belt buckle and everything with the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots. But, like, why can't the rest of the nation do that? So, um, I, I kind of get where you're coming from, Megan. Is there something to that? But I just don't know what the other side even feels like. But I'd like to. It's really weird because even though we just beat Baylor at Baylor and they were a top 15 team, don't really hear anything about it, barely jump up in the rankings at all. We've got Texas Tech on deck, and the the point spread is kind of like, you know, it favors OSU, but you look at the betters and like, eh, I don't really know if I can trust OSU to cover the spread. Are they the real deal? I don't know. And it's kind of like, do you watch the games? Are you serious right now? And so that's the kind of people that we're dealing with, the the talking heads, the national media. And, uh, you know, you just, you got to follow Oklahoma State close to have an understanding of how great it really is here. Great segue into this week's game. First, Texas Tech. Texas Tech coming off a 37 to 28 loss and Adrian Martinez kind of shredded that offense or that defense. Sorry. Adrian Martinez shredded the defense on the ground, 171 rushing yards and three touchdowns rushing as a quarterback. He only threw for 116 yards. So what can we expect to see from the Oklahoma state offense this week, taking on this defense who has struggled against the run game? I mean, like if Spencer Sanders really wanted to, he could probably run all over this defense. I don't know if that's in the game plan. I know that both teams are probably going to play fast, right? Uh, probably the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, we don't have the luxury of the bye week for the conference play. So keeping Spencer Sanders healthy is paramount to this team's success. So do they want to run him a lot? Probably not. Just let him sling it. Why not? He can he can rack up the yards passing. And you got a great running back in and Dominic Richardson. You got a great running back. And and it's just kind of like, you know, why force that if you don't have to? Now, Kansas State, I don't think that they had to do that. But Martinez, I mean, he's just – he's that's just the way that he plays, and they're just going to – you know, they're not going to limit him to that. So 
Uh, Tech is going to throw a lot, um, but their quarterback, not like you you said, it's not, he hasn't done anything that impressive. I watched a little bit of the highlights for that Kansas State game. And like, he doesn't really move his feet well in the pocket. I think they gave up six sacks. So I expect it to be pretty similar to that game. I think that, you know, if Oklahoma State wants to just mimic that game plan that Kansas State had going in, you can run over him if you want to. Uh, defense can get after him. And it, it ultimately comes down to our defense uh, being tested in the secondary, limiting the big plays from there. So, yeah, Xavier White yeah. had a breakout game, 120 yards and a touchdown for Texas Tech. They had a total of 359 receiving yards. Our secondary is one of the younger position groups um, on this Oklahoma state team. So Eve, as a former DB, how do we slow down their passing game? No, oh, man, the, the best thing that you can do for a defensive back is make sure that you have a pass rush, right? So that's really what I'm paying attention to in this game, right? In the trenches, you talk about Trace Ford and Tyler Lacey and all those guys who were down there, even the, the, the linebackers, Brock Barton, like how creative can they be whenever it comes to their pass rushing, but also like making sure that we keep that pressure on them the entire game so that there's not that opportunity for Xavier to go over a uh, hundred yards. But honestly, that's what I'm paying the most attention to right there. Right. And I think that the faster that the defense can click, get lined up and play uh, and that they have to think less, the better it's going to be. But I always say the best pass defense is a good pass rush. And that's what I'm paying attention to. And this weekend, Bob Fenimore is being added to the ring of honor. His number 55 is one of four numbers retired in OSU. Do you guys think we might see some throwback jerseys this week? Everyone loves the throwback. Justin, uniform yeah, X. I, Yo, I love yeah, I the throwback. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I'd i love to see him, but typically what we see, right, is uh, throwback uniforms and or throwback helmets reserved for homecoming. And um, a Ring of Honor game is not necessarily indicative of the uniforms. So we've seen that with um, Barry Sanders. I think they they put a patch on their jersey for that, uh, and they wore all black uniforms for that game. But they didn't come out in the 88 throwbacks. So as much as I would love to see some 45 throwback uniforms, I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, a girl can dream because I love a good throwback. <laughs> With no the exception doubt. of the Packers in the NFL and, and the Steelers, those are god awful. But you yeah. know, we we don't have to yeah. go on that tangent. <laughs> and of course, guys, uh, as far as the uniform, like a prediction, I guess I would say, um, you know, they're kind of all over the map when they play Texas Tech. There's not really a a go to uniform against Texas Tech. So, uh, I think the equipment managers of both squads really like to try to impress the other one. I think that they've got probably. Uh, a better friendship amongst you know those two teams than the other teams in the conference and um i i think uh it's time to see an orange helmet now so i think i'm going to say orange black black and we might even see i want i would really like to see the shadow pete helmet like the way we wore against texas in 2019 i think that that would mm. be crisp with shadow pete uh, on the orange helmet i like that it's, that's it's interesting slick. we've seen it one time but it hasn't made an appearance since that game at Texas. So kind of wondering, when are we going to see it again? Maybe this is it. I would love to see that. Yeah. That'd be slick. I'm a sucker for anything orange. I've loved orange since before. Orange. Sorry, I've been told I say it weird. Ever since orange. Orange since before I started at Oklahoma <laughs> State. So I'm like any all orange, or, or, nice. orange helmet, you know, I'm down for. But 
before we wrap this up, I sent you picks with Bix last night. He hesitated, but he did go with Texas Tech. I Come know. on. What? I, know. I might need a new dog. Just kidding. I would never get rid of him. <laughs> but I'm, I'm questioning his taste in football teams. But I, I don't even think I have to ask this, but who are you guys taking this week? Man, look, there was a there was a good stretch where oh, Texas Tech always seemed to be putting up big numbers and huge yardage, but for whatever reason, every time they would play us, we would just dominate and shut them out. And they always had a tail. I I don't want to give it away in case they still do it, but there was a, a certain thing that they did in the backfield that always let us know if it was going to be a run or a pass. Right? Um, I don't know if they still do it, but hopefully they still have that. But I think the history kind of repeats itself in uh, Oklahoma State, man win for the good guys yeah i'm gonna i'm right there with you eve i think it's probably going to be somewhere in the realm of um, oklahoma state 42 texas tech 21 maybe i'm giving tech's offense a little bit too much credit our defense not enough credit because i could definitely see them i don't necessarily think they're going to shut them out i think our our you know you mentioned it earlier the experience on the secondary, you know, this is a this is a good test for them. Uh, so I don't necessarily think we're going to shut them out like we did last year, but uh, I don't think it'll be close. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm 4-0 this season. Bixby is 2-2. Two and two. I am 4-0, and I'm going to hopefully keep my streak going, going with the pokes. I liked the 42-21. I've been terrible at picking scores this season, so... I, you know, I, I, I was feeling that too, as you were saying it, but I'm, I'm also going with the pokes. I think they're going to get, going to get a good win at home. I think they're going to ride this wave and I'm feeling good about this week. Yeah. I don't know what the score is going to be, but I will say, uh, take the over. <laughs> if I, if, if I were betting on this game, I would probably take the over. Awesome. Well, Justin, Eve, so great chatting with you guys about this week's game against Texas tech. So excited to have you guys here with me. Throughout the rest of the season, new episodes every Thursday. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. On behalf of Justin and Eve, I'm Meg. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program. The world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities.